One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Support WrestleTalk. Give us a subscribe. Making their way to the ring at a combined weight of undeniably sexy, hailing from London, the Russell Ramble Podcast! Spider Fest 2019, I am Luco and this is El Fakador, Laurie Blake, and over there is Chopper Pete Quinnell, who will be manning your chest and your super, super, super chest. My chair is a little bit hung, just drop down a little bit there. Um, and yeah, we're going to be reviewing... AEW's Fighter Fest this is the first time I've actually been able to do like a full ramble mm-hmm. review of an AEW show. Uh, for those people who have been asking in the comments, yes, there will be a uh, the ten minute review as well that that Ollie does. Um, he's doing it in a sort of a news review format like we do for Raw and SmackDown. It's a bit of a testing ground at the moment because we're not sure what happens sort of two days after a show where there's any interest in it. Mm-hmm. So we had this before when we didn't do a review of the Greatest Royal Rumble, which was on a Friday, and then. People kept asking us on Saturday, Sunday, where's the review, where's the review? Mm-hmm. And then we did one on Monday, and I was like, it's too late now. I think people barely cared about the greatest well, Royal well, Rumble. Exa- well, exactly. Quite. That was the greatest Royal Rumble sport. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> so, they were in a bit of a testing ground at the moment to sort of see how well this will do two mm-hmm. days after the fact. But we do want to talk about the biggest thing from yes. this show which is the fallout of Wrestle League Series 2. Um, <laughs> so if you are one of our Patreon pledge hammers, you will be involved in uh, Wrestle League, where you're competing against us in Predictions War. And I thought I'd give you a quick update on the table. Uh, so the table currently sees uh, Simon in last place with 43 points. Useless. And then it, it is me with 47. Now, running storyline for this season so far is that I have just been bottom of the league. Mm-hmm. Simon doesn't really count. So I'm just bottom of the league. But... Who's only one point behind Pete now? With dun, dun, dun. 48 points, it's Pete. And then Laurie is on 55. Ollie is on 57. And then some bloke named Randy, 61. Don't know who that How is. How are your though. pipes, Chopper? I'm, I'm <laughs> furious at what's happening. This is way too close. And I hate it. Yeah. I really don't want to do music punishment. Because I don't know how it's going to go. And it's going to be terrible. Ollie can make it work. Ollie's entertaining. I'm not. <laughs> so it'll be really... You, you don't want it. You don't want to see me do a music punishment, promise. Pete, it's not up to them. It's up to I you know. to do better, well, mate. You I do know. Better. Do better, Unless mate. we can convince Just all of it. Impact to take a dive. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Let's talk about the topic at hand. Let's talk about this uh, this chair shot from Sean Spears to Cody after his match with Darby Allen. And the big question, uh, did this controversial moment ruin the pay-per-view? Because mm. I'll, I'll, I'll have a... I, I tell you what, I'll, actually, I'll ask you first, then I'll, I'll say my bit on this. I would say uh, no. I just think it's the easiest thing to latch onto in terms of things to talk about in social media. And I think it's also it is an important point that you don't really want to be hitting people in the head with chairs or even make that a... Uh, even if the chair's gimmicked, even whatever. Like This is the proof that it can go wrong even if you try to do it 
as safely as possible. Yeah. So it's probably better not to hit people with unprotected chair shots, as cool as they are, in like yes. a visually... They 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 carry even more weight now than they did previously. I think because of all the concussion stuff that's come out of it. So like I get kind of what you're going for here. You want to make it a brutal assault and you want to make it even further. Like it's it's outlandishly violent. Um, but yeah, it, this is just sort of the the fallout of this is the proof that maybe it's not a good idea. One for Cody's suits and the ring mat and yep. <laughs> all that stuff, but also just for the purposes of like it has dominated the narrative around Fighter Fest. That's exactly it. Yeah, I think when I tend to sort of like judge the the, the feelings of a show mm-hmm. and sort of like the interest in a show based on the social media interaction I get the, the day after. Yeah. So if I wake up like usually when I wake up after Raw, I have a lot of people who get in touch with me with their thoughts about mm-hmm. Raw. SmackDown, not as many. And then NXT, barely anyone. Yeah. There are times when I've woken up the morning after NXT and no one has sent me anything. Yeah. Um, barely happened. And WWE pay-per-views actually run a sort of similar gamut. Usually it's around sort of like the Raw SmackDown levels. Not quite Raw sometimes. But uh, Fighter Fest, I would say, is probably around the sort of SmackDown level of, in, of engagement, of people getting back, you know, saying, here mm-hmm. is what I think, here is what I think. But this is all anyone wanted to talk about, yeah. was that this moment ruined the show for them, that and the pre-show did. So, um, but we'll come on to the pre-show, which mm-hmm. actually I quite liked. Um, for me, it, it, it certainly didn't ruin the show. No. It certainly didn't ruin... I, I don't think it was the best thing to do on your second show, because no. there has been a lot of sort of negative feedback towards it. I don't think there are that many people who are sitting there going like, well, that was the best thing this company could have done at this point. Yeah. Well, I think that it's almost could be confusing that in the last Cody Rhodes match, it ended with two profusely bleeding men hugging out in the ring and they were like well maybe I think that was just all Dustin's blood yeah. just on but like, yeah but that's what yeah but it, it seems like that sort of like that was kind of quite a grisly heartwarming somehow heartwarming in this face of being very grisly finale and they were like well maybe it needs to have some sort of brutality in it to really drive it home mm. and that's what gives you the, the extra stars that you get for the match rating but this I think this was just too far and I, I think also there were just some mistakes they're making AEW in terms of some of these bits of booking that I think they need to have a, a, a higher level of clarity of to what the product is because I've seen clips of Tony Khan being like interviewed after the show and people saying to him like is this what you're going to be showing on TNT and he's going like no this was you know it's not even really a pay-per-view it's just a streaming event thing and we went for this thing the actual product won't be that but these two sh- like this is the second show you've done it's time to set out your stall and go this is what we are, this is what the kind of content is. But if you're not going to do unsanctioned death matches with John Moxley and Joey Janela, and you're not going to do unprotected hair, headshots, and you're not going to do weird kickoff show things, maybe don't do it now. Do it now, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, like do, do, what, do what you're going to do for TNT now. Get that over, because by the time a TNT show comes around, it's going to feel very tame comparative to that. Yeah, that's a very good point, really. And it's, it was a... I I don't I feel very uncomfortable with unprotected chair shots mm-hmm. in in 2019. Um, I mean, to be honest, it's it's been very funny where we've been doing Wrestle Ramble Extra, mm-hmm. which is the it's a Patreon podcast that we do for uh, for, for our pledge hammers, where Ollie and I and Pete and the last one review old pay per views, mm-hmm. and we have done some pay per views where there have been these brutally harsh unprotected chair shots. Yeah. 
And at the time, you like when you look at sort of like a ninety nine two thousand pay per view, you're like, that's nah, just what we did then. Like it's just you know, yeah, at the yeah. time that was just seen as that was the thing to be done. Yeah. But I, in a in a post Benoit world, yeah, uh, with everything that we now know about CTE and whatnot, and uh, I I just don't think it's the smartest thing to do when you are so, uh, when you're already arguably the second biggest company on the planet because mm-hmm. well, especially when you start TV in October to be doing these sort of unprotected share shots and just drawing this negative press onto your show. Yeah. And, you know, Khan and, and the Bucks and everyone have said, well, I mean, I, was Cody's idea is what uh, Nick Jackson said. And he said that he was under the impression that the chair was gimmicked. And Tony Khan said the chair was supposed to be gimmicked. But it's a case of you can make the best plane in the world. But if you, don't, if you have a bad pilot, then yeah. the plane is going to crash. Yeah, so what they said was it, something to do with the pins. They'd loosened the pins in the chair so yeah. that when it was it was meant to be the seat that collided with Cody's head. Yeah, and then that would snap so, back basically. Snap back, yeah. So he'd have to, he'd be wearing stop the chair. It, stop like, basically stopping a lot of the force. Yeah, yeah, and he'd be wearing the chair, but it sort of went in and he got clipped with the back of it. And yeah, that's what sort of wrenched open the back of his head. Oof. So he basically got can open it. Yeah, it's like, gonna say it was gruesome. Yeah, and, and like it was as soon as he hit the deck, and they they panned down to him, blood's just started like. Yeah, and he looked out head. of it. Like I know, I know. They said afterwards he didn't have a concussion. He didn't wa- whatever. He was dazed AF. Well, after that, like, housemate was... Simon made the point when we were talking about this earlier. We said mm-hmm. that you know all elite wrestling have said he didn't get a concussion. Just had tw- twelve staples. That what we have learned about CTE over the last ten years. You know, since the Benoit tragedies, mm-hmm. said so Benoit murder suicide. Let's call it what it is. Since mm-hmm. the Benoit murder suicide is that. Even with CTE, if you don't have a concussion, you still did get a concussion. You still got like the the back the the, the effects of a concussion. You just didn't get a registered concussion. Yeah. So there always is something there. Yeah. So it's I, for me, as I say, like you know, I've seen a few people uh, already like before the stream start going like snowflake, snowflake, snowflake. Can't handle this snowflakes. It's got nothing to do with that. It's I. It didn't ruin the show for me whatsoever. No, I actually no. thought this was a great show, absolutely yeah. great show. Uh, and, and you know, actually, I, in some ways, I actually preferred it to Double or Nothing. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a really, really, really great show. But this is a moment that I don't want to be talking about. Yeah. I don't want to be sat. What I want to be sat here is I want to be sat here talking about how amazing the show is, not having to talk about moments like this, which actually overshadow the whole thing. Well, I think it was such a shocking moment that, like. Considering that people obviously, even in people in the production, knew that it was going to happen. Like, they knew the chair was meant to be gimmicked or whatever. And the, the shock that registered when people realised that Cody's bleeding profusely from the back of his head did take away the normal atmosphere of, like, when you get these big moments where someone turns on their friend and the commentators spend their time putting it over and really hyping it up and being really shocked, like, fake shocked, obviously, mm-hmm. like, screaming and shouting and that kind of thing. This turned into actual shock, which is when people go very quiet and don't yeah. really know what to say and they don't really know what to do. So it turned into everyone being very concerned. And that's actually quite an uncomfortable atmosphere to watch as it is to sort of experience. Yeah. Like, I prefer a big, like, John Moxley-style run, like, run-in. People are popping, people are going crazy, and everyone's kind of in shock and awe that it's happening. But it's that kind of, like, elated shock. And it's like, oh my god, I can't believe this is happening. This was like, oh my god, I can't. Oh, I feel really uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I'm, you know, the the death match that they did in the main event, the unsanctioned mm-hmm. match between Janela and Moxley. 
Well, though it was like, you know, brute that had like barbed wire boards and it yeah. had, you know, this, that, and yeah, that had plunder and hither and yonder and thumbtacks and everything, but all of it actually seemed so much more tame than this one share shop. Well, it was, yeah, that was like as safe as you could make it. Yeah. And, like, the safe and that's a good way to do it. And the worst thing you're ever going to get is ripped up, like, you're going to get ripped up bits of skin. And yeah. that is kind of the deal with barbed wire and all that kind of stuff. But it, it it's not a huge chunk out of your brain. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, you need. Yeah. That's it, yeah. And I think the, the, the people that are saying that, ah, oh, you're, you're just being snowflakes, this and the other, I think you really do have to remember that Benoit period. Yeah. In that, in that murder-suicide period with dark, dark times for wrestling, that, mm. that's pure dark timeline stuff. Where they would come out and he like he had the brain of a seven year old by the time of mm. like that's that's bonkers yeah like and, and and so really we shouldn't it shouldn't even be a discussion at this point no so I I'm I'm a, a bit it's of, not worth it for a moment is it it, it like, really isn't yeah so I mean just put your hand also up. I like Cody <laughs> love Cody <laughs> I don't want him to stop wrestling because he's been bonked in the head absolutely, too many times absolutely yeah for if, if for me and I I can't remember if he has got. He has got a match at Five for the Fall, hasn't he? He's got the yeah, sanctuary with Dustin. Yeah. For me, I, I would try to be riding this wave and just saying that he's got to be off the show. And yeah. just, if you want to really put this over and turn it into something of a storyline yeah. and say the other, take him off of Fight for the Fallen. Yeah. Take him off of All Out. Take him off into everything until, or, until the TV show starts. Yeah. And say, like, Sean Spears cost him two pay-per-views yeah. and he's got to wait till TV now. Well, you should do it in a very, yeah, th- like, if you're going to do this, do it in a very, like, never again kind of way. And yeah. It should, it should be, it should have been a moment, but it should have also had some build. Like, if, if, if this is what was going to happen and it was going to be this big shock horror thing, build to it. Yeah. And then make it a really punctuating point. It was, it was a throwaway spot that didn't land in the way that I think they wanted it to. And it has dominated a lot of the conversation for a pay-per-view that was, to all intents and purposes, really, really freaking good. Oh, so good. And I really, really enjoyed watching it. Yeah. And, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame that this is the only, like, this one collision is the only thing that's being talked about out of three hours of amazing wrestling. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But it came off the back of a really good match as well, mm-hmm. actually, which was uh, Cody versus Darby Allen. Darby Allen, who you and I saw at Progress, um, mm-hmm. Super Strong Style, and he's really, really cool. Very unique as a wrestler. And and that's what I really like about Darby Allen. There's not many people that are like him. He's got a very distinctive look about him. He's mm. got a very distinctive style of wrestling. Sometimes he comes down to the ring in a, on a skateboard and like does sort of like, you know, a, a, a kickflip or whatever, you know, and what the kids do with scooters and whatnot. And Ollie. And Ollie, exactly. And Ollie Davis. And he brings out a body bag with Cody's name on it. Mm-hmm. It says one and one because he's, that's what Cody's record is going to be after this match, at least in Darby's eyes. And I thought the commentary did a really good job of getting over Darby Allen's character to a new audience. Yeah. To an audience who might be watching, not AEW, perhaps not for the first time, but it might be the first time they've seen Darby Allen. And so the commentary were doing everything they could to get over, this is who this guy is. This is why he's like this. This is why he does this. Mm-hmm. So I actually give a lot of credit to, to the commentary for this. Yeah, I thought it was really fantastic. They were saying that like he's, he'd been in a car crash when he was younger and he was like, quite traumatized from that made him essentially give up on life yeah but then he went into like all these but then he found the sort of purpose of like going and getting what he wanted and he wanted to be a pro skater so then he went and became a pro skater he wanted to be a pro wrestler so he went and became a pro wrestler and it's that kind of like um never say die attitude but plus a complete recklessness yes that he exhibited in the match perfectly i think it was that you know like they they said that the, the i thought it was a quite a 
throwaway line that I quite liked, and I think the the rest of the commentary team actually uh, crapped on it a bit. But like he said, I think it was Golden Boy that said it, or Excalibur. They said like you know he wanted to be a pro skater, but you got to be an amateur skater first, and you spend most of your time falling off. Yeah. And it hurts, and it's terrible, and you've got to pick yourself back up and do it again. And I really like that as like yeah. a, you know, the sort of image of this is like, this was his trial and error sort of phase of like he just kept getting up in this match. Yeah, he really to, did to the point where he dragged a draw out. Yeah, you know. It, yeah, yeah. It was it was a really really good story. Actually, on the commentary, I thought Golden Boy was really good. Yeah, I really liked. Him. I really liked him. I thought him and Excalibur worked very very well together. The commentary was actually a bit of a uh, sort of a sticking point on the first show. I think for some people, I uh, liked the first show's commentary. Yeah, I, I, for Jr. For me, I, I thought Jr. was actually quite good at Double or Nothing. Mm-hmm. But here at times, Jr. was slipping into his curmudgeon JR ways, which mm. he has been for the last couple of years, which is where if he doesn't like it, he just sits there and will essentially tell you, I don't like this. Yeah. There's a moment during the, the six man where he's like, who's the legal man? Does anyone care? I'm like, Jim, stop burying your own product, mate. <laughs> when, um, Justin yeah, Robert- you're an actor. Justin, Ro- <laughs> Justin Roberts announced Hangman Page is uh, weighing £295, and JR was like, bollocks. No, he's not. He's no way he's 295 What a load of crap. Like, mate, it's not real. Yeah. You can announce him as £500 if you want yeah. to, because guess what? It's not real. Do you remember in an era where he was putting over the hollies as super heavyweights? <laughs> so, uh, but... So Darby Allen looked really cool in this, but the whole story of this match was, as you say, this was Darby Allen refuses to die. Mm-hmm. And it was Cody doing his darndest to make yeah. sure this kid is going to stay down. And it was like there's a spot towards the start where he throws him into the corner and Darby essentially just like flings himself in between the ropes, collides with the ring post and falls to the outside. Yeah, he just does a sort of like Bunk. he does he somehow does a six one nine to himself <laughs> and that's it. Like he just so, alright, fine. <laughs> it was so weird. Uh, but the. JR, I think JR said at that point, it's like Darby Allen broke his fall. Like, <laughs> was, that was a really good bit of commentary. But he's, uh, he actually starts targeting uh, Cody's hand. Like, Darby Allen manages to mm. just get, like, one little thing, and he smelt one tiny bit of blood, and that was how he fought. Mm-hmm. That's how you know, he's trying to make his little comeback. And it was like Cody had him in a delayed suplex. So Darby Allen just grabbed the hands. And grabbing the hand. Yeah, wrenched it open. Cool idea. And forces Cody to put him down. But it builds to this moment where you've sort of got five minutes left. And because they actually hit their time limits on onto this show, they announced ahead of time is you know twenty minute time limits. And there was you had Justin Roberts say five minutes of this match remain. And Cody bites. uh, Sorry, Darby bites Cody's hand. And then Cody is laying on the apron. So Darby Allen climbs up. And he does a coffin drop where he just essentially puts his arms over his chest and just launches himself backwards. A bit like Kofi's trust fall, if you haven't seen the show. And he just sort of throws himself off the like, middle rope, or the top rope, in fact, and Cody moves out of the way. So this lad just lands hard on his back on the ring apron and falls to the floor. Oh, it's not nice. Oof, mate. It's bracing stuff. Oh, it really is. That's a sort Put of... Put airs on your chest. <laughs> it's the sort of spot where you go, you won't be doing that in 10 years, mate. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Get it in now while you can, yeah. I guess. You won't be doing that in 10 years, I'll lad. be walking in 10 years, mate. <laughs> uh, Cody hit a bicycle kick, which I think Golden Boy called it a bicycle kick. A bicycle. It's got a bit of a pop out of me. It might have been Excalibur, but it was very good. And then this is the only bit of the match I didn't really like, which was where Cody put Darby into the body bag and hit the disaster kick and then had to get him out of the yeah. body bag to pin him. I'm like, 
That probably wasn't much needed. It was a way to, it's a way to protect the disaster kickers because then Derby kicked out at two. Yeah. I don't think it added that much to it. It didn't make any sense at all. Because it, <laughs> it was like, it was more of a fight, like, because they were like, how do you know when the shoulders are down? And then Cody has to fish him out and then yeah. pin him. And it's like, well, you've wasted all the time where you could have been pinning him. Exactly. And then, oh, lo and behold, you run out by one second. And it would have been more effective con- like continuing this Derby Allen won't give up storyline. Yeah. If Darby Allen kicked out after two from but the disaster like, kick. I think if you were gonna put him in if you were gonna put him into the body bag, you should have done like a, a longer section, put him in, zip him up, put him in the corner, and beat the crap out of him. Mm. And do that for like a good couple of minutes and literally have him fall out standing of this body bag and then do a finisher and then pin him and then he kicks out. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. just felt like it. it was a fumbly. It was fumbly. It didn't look very good because he couldn't. He couldn't react to the disaster kick until he just sort of was like that with me yet. Oh, it's sort of with me. I'll fall down now. Like it, it all didn't quite gel in the way you wanted it to. Yeah, it didn't quite win. It was it a cool like work. visual metaphor. Yeah, it was. But it should have been a very yeah. It should have been more. I mean, I mean, even you could have done like beating him up in the body bag and he rockets out of it like that yeah. would be a cool sort of like you know he's coming back from the dead almost absolutely kind of yeah uh but he does make a bit of a comeback it's like a flipping stunner uh but then gets hit by crossroads by cody and cody like struggles to get into the pin time expires and he's like ah oh, time limit draw it's really smart because cody got the win at double or nothing doesn't mm-hmm. lose anything here he actually looked really strong in that which then keeps him strong going into the tag match yep. at Fight for the Fall. And if they are going to stick ahead doing that, if it was me, I'd probably look to save that match and do it another time. Yeah, because it's proven now that both Cody and his brother are bleeders. They're just <laughs> yeah, bleeders. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it keeps him strong going into that match, which actually I think is kind of the story of this whole show, was putting over the people that have got big matches mm-hmm. at the next show. It's actually it's very, very smart and effective booking, yeah. really, because it makes everyone look good. And that's then when we got the spot at the end. Cody's there asking for five more minutes. And then Sean Spears comes out, hits him with this chair shot. Cody falls down like a sack of spuds. And then it, crowd go very, very hushed. And um, yeah, and then you had MGF running down, looked very upset. SCU came down. And um, yeah, uh, and R- JR said that, um, that Cody has got the Rhodes genes, which can be a blessing and a curse. Mm. Which I thought actually was a very, very good line from JR. So I, I really enjoyed the match, with the exception yeah. of the body bag spot. Really, really liked the match. Yeah, I think Darby Allen's and I love the finish. Like it put over Darby Allen oh, so yeah. well, and I think he came across like a star in the making. He's incredible. Yeah, uh, I loved his. He did a. There's a little flurry he does in the in the middle of the match where he was just doing all these little dive rolls to like link all of his moves together, and it just looked so awesome yeah, and yeah. so specifically that guy you know what i mean it's that it's that sort of thing is like oh he's worked out a way to be like i do my offense this way mm-hmm. and this is the way that i'm the only person who does it like this i've never really seen anyone move exactly like darby allen yeah and i just think that's a really cool kind of reckless gimmick thing to have and that's the other shame i suppose about the the chair shot just to bring it back full circle to the, the start of this conversation is that Everyone's just talking about the chair shot now. No one's talking about how good Darby Allen was in the match yeah. because once again the chair shot and the Sean Spears stuff has kind of overshadowed the match itself. Yeah, again, it's a bit of a shame, really. Well, because you, you could have done that. You could have done the. T- I get they were sort of looking for like the time limit finishes very. The time limit draw is a very good idea to keep both guys kind of protected because you want to push the. You know, you're going to want to push Darby Allen at some point. You're not going to just have him eat a loss to Cody. Although he would have lost nothing losing to Cody, even like in the last ten seconds. Yeah. But you want to keep Cody going over. Um, 
but just why wasn't why didn't Cody just flip the switch and hit Derby or mm. like just something to just you needed a, they wanted they were looking for a punctuation point and they chose the wrong one mm. and I think you could have just done something else at the end here to have one of the guys go too far maybe Derby gets up and does something horrible while Cody's asking for five more minutes and then it just walks out you know just walks out there, yeah. there was many other things you could have done that didn't have to be quite like this I was going to say because I'm guessing this is all building to Cody versus Sean Spears you, at, yes. at all out yeah probably in a chairs match um, <laughs> anyway. I'm hoping it's chairs and helmets this is Paige the co-host of Giggly Squad and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box and if you break it down it really comes out to two dollars a manicure which is absolutely insane it's also so easy to get salon worthy nails at home with olive and june the difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the manny system is a complete game changer the best thing about olive and june too is it's a quick dry dries in about one minute lasts for five days and full coverage in up to one to two coats visit oliveandjune.com slash perfect manny 20 for 20 percent off your first system that's oliveandjune.com slash perfect manny 20 for 20 percent off your first system Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Uh, let's go over to producer Pete for the day. What are people saying in these soup, soup, super chats? Well, people are very opinionated today. Boy, howdy. Oh, people yeah? have opinions. Good. That's mm. what I like to hear. Yes. Uh, some of them are nice about it. Okay. okay. Only some of them. Anyway, let's go on to the super chats. Uh, Tim Arndt, uh, coming in with a donation, saying, My favourite part of the pay-per-view was a guy yelling at the librarians, It's not even a real book! <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad that someone enjoyed something about the librarians. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of uh, enjoyed the librarians. It was the one thing of the pre-show I didn't enjoy. I will go to bat for Nakazawa Jabaili. I loved that match. I thought it was hilarious. I actually thought it was alright. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jobber JJ comes in and says, uh, Do you think WWE will go one better and Seth will hit Lacey with a chair? I mean, that was the whole reason that, um, what's his name? 
Baron, Baron Corbin. That's why he picked it, didn't he? It's because then Seth can't hit her with a chair. Mm. Actually, smart thinking by Baron, really, when you think about it. Unless Seth turns heel. Unless Seth and turns heel. And a lady. What? If you, if you'd have done that in 2000 it would have been the biggest baby face on the planet Austin, <laughs> Austin was trying to do that to get heel heat in 2001 <laughs> and everyone's like hitting yes! Lita he's like hitting Lita with a chair and everyone's going like go on Austin hit her again mate put her in a place <laughs> uh, Joe comes in again saying hi boys even though you already did one before uh, chair shot stupid but I did pop hmm Okay, that's interesting. That, that's an opinion I've not heard, actually, which is that I thought it was stupid, but I did pop for it. So, yeah. I thought it was... I, yeah, I sort of thought... That's kind of how I think... I think the longer I think about it, the more I dislike it. But at the moment, I was like, whoa, that's pretty... Like, I felt all the sort of feelings of, like, that's cool, and a thing yeah. that happened. And then you have to go, like, well, actually, it did this and this and this and this. And there's the thing. is like, I think the, why they keep happening... Yeah. Even now is because they are cool. <laughs> they are cool. It's, really, it's hard to deny they are cool. Yeah, I think there's a better way to do it. Pete. Uh Danny W. Uh no message, but a donation nonetheless. Thank, Thank you very much. much. Uh Justin Borley comes in and says, Hey guys, just wanted to let you know you all do a fantastic job. Keep up the good work. Who would be the dream debut for Bray Wyatt? Um Roman Reigns. And he destroys him. Yeah, go with Roman. I just I don't Bray, really know whatever, this whatever Bray Wyatt's debut is, it should just be dominant finally and terrifying. And I think that should be this, this you know I don't even think it should be a long match. It should just be a, a really quick squash debut. In which case, then I'll target Heath Slater. Yeah, because you can you can just kill Heath and it doesn't matter. Also, no, I like, want I want him to kill someone big and position him immediately as like this is a guy to watch now. Mm. Like this is you know. Or have Bra- or does Bray do the turn midway through the match and he comes down as like cuddly Firefly Funhouse Bray and then turns into the fiend? To be honest, because I've just finished watching an AEW show, that's all I really want to talk about at the moment. So I don't really want to talk about mm. Bray. But come Raw, I'll be back onto the Bray train. On the Bray train, yeah. <laughs> Bravey train. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Danny Milhouse says uh, thoughts on the Rascals on Impact. Bright futures. I hate this. I think that is the dumbest taunt. <laughs> That a wrestler has in 2019. It's so, Dude, oh, mm. it's so childish. It made instantly when they started doing this. I'm like, I hate these lads. Yeah. Uh, you could do all your big flips and whatnot, but I, I think you're. Oh, a but some of the knobs. flips they do. Some of the flips they do. They did the, but the, they, they did do the one like, where they did the moonsault shelf one. That's a great. That is unbelievable. So good, but this this needs to go. Uh, Brian Nowak and Jeremy Chastain just come in with uh, super chats, no messages. Thank, Thank you, Charlie. Uh, and then Adam Adam mm, comes in and says, uh, "Dark Order come out slower than Taker." Lame gimmick. It was, uh, yeah, it was super slow. The, I was watching that on one point five speed to get through <laughs> the pre-show because uh, I'd heard it was bad. And then, uh, yeah, they it, even with that, it took ages for them to get to the ring. Yeah, they were there for all quite some time. Yeah, yeah. Big guys, Douglas is not big guys though. Well, there's not. It's just the minions are tiny. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. You don't want to wear. You don't want to wear masks in the dark. That's <laughs> it's just. Yeah, it, it didn't quite. Maybe work. those weren't the crowd's lights. Maybe those were just ushers going like yeah. this over there. The rest of the ring is there. It's, it's two things they've done now for Dark Order, and they haven't quite worked on both occasions because the first time they showed up, and everyone was like, "Who are these lads?" Yeah. Yeah, it was like they used to be Super Smash Bros, right? Super Smash Bros, yeah. yeah. And um, then this one didn't come off quite that well either. Mm. The other bit of the pre-show I wasn't keen on. Uh, Jeremy Chastain comes in again with another Super Chat no message. Thank um, you, gracias. And um, we'll just do 
Uh, two more. Yes, please. Um, Will Adams says, Ollie Davis appears from out of nowhere. <laughs> yes, he did. A moment. Uh, and then, what a moment. Uh, Dustin, <laughs> don't, Dustin S. Gooding uh, comes in and says, uh, heart emoji, Russell talk, hashtag karaoke Pete. Please stop it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't do karaoke <laughs> Don't do that to me. I like that. <laughs> we'll do karaoke with a C so we can place chopper with it. We'll just call you karaoke Pete instead. Oh, that's perfect. Uh, we'll do the rest of your super chats later on. Uh, but I think it's back to you guys for the rest of the show. Thank you very much, Thank you. Pete. So, yeah, we'll talk about this kickoff show then. So, I I only saw Fighter Fest today because I was away over the weekend. I was went to my parents, then went to my, uh, my uh, wife's nan. which was lovely. Oh, yeah, for a nice meal. But um, so I, I didn't see this until today. So I actually had like a good 24 hours of people telling me the pre-show's awful. Yeah, oh, the pre-show's yeah. dreadful. I think even Meltzer said like, thank God that pre-show is over. He's calling it bad. And that's all anyone ever said to me was just it was bad. So I actually went into this pre-show with fairly low expectations. Yeah. But it came out going like, that was all right. It, it was fine. Uh, and I, my issue with pre-shows is one, why are you doing them? Two, if you're going to do them, and I, I think the... the the key with AEW's branding of it is the issue. They call their pre-shows a buy-in for, like, you get this for free, and it's to make you want to watch the pay-per-view. And they keep doing stuff in the pre-show that's nothing like in the pay-per-view that makes me not want to really watch the pay-per-view. Nothing I have saw in the pre-show of this was, like, apart from the, the tag match, but, like, I just think at some point you've got to think with kickoff shows and pre-shows, if you're trying to do it to make people buy your pay-per-view, show one of your big stars in it like do something like I'm not saying Kenny Omega but maybe like uh, I don't know Adam Page was in the, the Battle Royal in the um, kickoff show for Double, Double or nothing. nothing but that's not he wasn't listed that as was that. circumstances so yeah it, that was circumstances and he wasn't listed to do that so like at some point you've got to put someone big on the pre-show and have like the the New Day five star Usos pre-show match yeah. to make people go like whoa this is worth buying like spending money on and buying because nothing here was enough for me to go like I actually really want to see this I think apart the from the fact it, yeah. that you you know that you're going to see Kenny Omega and the Elite that's the key to it really is that there were what I liked about the pre-show, what I will put over, is that it was an hour long and it had three matches. There yeah. was no wasted time. No, there wasn't this. waffle. It wasn't waffle, except for like the minions getting in and around the ring for the uh, the Dark Order. No, that thing. did and, take and, 20 minutes. And the librarian <laughs> stuff. So there was a couple of like wasted moments here and there, but for the most part, it was in-ring action. Mm-hmm. Problem was, it wasn't the best in-ring action no. that they could like, because you, you had a comedy celebrity match, you had uh, the women's match, which was really hurt by the librarian stuff. And a really, really fun three-way tag match. And a bunch of faux documentary and stuff. And a faux documentary stuff, which is only funny if you've watched all the fight, uh, the Fighter Fest, the Fire Festival stuff. Yeah, and being the elite for and, a while. Yeah, and yeah, being the elite know. for a while. Um, I suddenly realised, actually, while I was watching this show, that uh, my new tattoo is basically the Fire, Fe- uh, fire logo. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I'm going to tell people from now on. Um, but I, the, for me, the, the three-way tag team match was the best thing on this pre-show. It was SCU versus Best Friends versus Private Party. And kind of like in the similar vein to the Darby Allen match, this all felt like it was here to build up Private Party yeah. and put them over as a very big act within this tag team division. Mm-hmm. And actually, when you think about it, like on this show, you've got SCU, Private Party, Best Friends, Lucha Brothers, and the Young Bucks. Like Just those five mm-hmm. there. 
That's a very, very good tag team division. Yep. Like that's that's an, an incredible tag and then team Cody division. And Cody and Dustin, if Cody you're and chuck Dustin, them in. Yeah. Strong Hearts. You've got actually a lot of these other teams sort of like flowing around the periphery, Dark Order when they get into the ring. <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff which I'm gonna Never. guess it's probably gonna be all out, I guess. Mm-hmm. Now that'll take up after the show if them get into the ring. <laughs> and um and actually, uh, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy as well got mm-hmm. like a little bit of a tandem going on. Really strong tag team division. Yeah, yeah, really which is, good. And I think it was Tony Khan, Pete, you might be able to help us out with this because this is while I was away, but Tony Khan was on Austin's podcast talking about how the, the tag division is going to be sort of like the focus of the first sort of like month or so of TV, right? Yeah, he was saying that I think the, uh, it, I think they're going to do it, if memory serves, they're going to do some sort of tag team tournament to kind of crown that division and kick that off around the time when the TV deal starts, I think is what he said. Yeah. Well, it makes sense because that's like, the, that's the best way to get the most people over as well. If you get like, if you, a singles tournament just physically gets less guys in the ring, yeah. shows less people to uh, the audience. So you're better off just like pairing people up, e- you know, even if it's just like a dusty classic, like Finn Balor and Samoa Joe working together, that kind of vibe. Yeah. Then you get more of your guys in this big, like, important tournament especially when you have already kind of put yourself in the corner of we've already sort of done the deal for the main championship yeah um i, I really enjoyed the uh, the fire festival sort of setup as well they had like the tents and everything from the the, the festival and then mm-hmm. women in bikinis which was like ironic objectification like hey yeah. it's, it's all right if you do it ironically um so it's like it, it's funny because it was it was funny yeah. If you know sort of like what the whole thing is parodying. But if you don't, it just had a really WCW vibe about it where it's like, Oi lads, oi lads, yeah. women bikinis out here to buy the pay-per-view. Uh, but I, the match itself, I, I, I thought it was really fun. I thought, um, I thought Private Party were great. Mark Quen is very good. And his glasses it, never come off. No, no. <laughs> Old Simon Phoenix from uh, mm. Demolition. Man. <laughs> he's he's great, and Isaiah Cassidy's very good as well. And it was it was it was funny really because like I I was expecting Private Party to pick up the win because they were putting them over so much on commentary. Yes, yeah. But it was actually it was um uh, the the best friends that, that got friends. the win in the end because they're going on to greater things. Yes, obviously. Face well, uh, I, I, Dark I, Order. I thought this this was a very another very good example of like just smart booking for like the lesser known quantities to give them enough of the match to make them feel like an important thing because they put them over they they were saying you know these guys are the underdogs these are the rookies and they had the best friends and uh, SCU basically fighting over who gets to beat on these guys mm. like you know that was that was kind of the sell yeah. for a lot of the match and then when private party make their incredible comeback involving a copious amount of flips, old untold just, amount of flips. Yeah, just some absolutely ridiculous. There was there was one bit where they uh, he does a hurricanrana slingshot into a cutter. Yeah, it was the and, le- it, and it was a, a vertical leap hurricanrana as yeah. well. Like so, the guy's up on the top rope, he's on the floor, and he jumps up, delivers his hurricanrana, it's quite, and then yeah, Cassidy hits the cutter as yeah. he's falling down. It's nuts, nuts. So, um, but I, yeah, actually giving. Um, best friends the win makes sense given the mm-hmm. these angle you started at um, uh, double or nothing and then followed up with here with the Dark Order seemingly targeting them as their first opponents yeah so yeah nice stuff uh, very much enjoyed it it just uh, t- 
took them a long time to get up there. And then it's one of those things. It's like the uh, when the shield used to quote unquote surround the ring. I'm like, there's only three of them. There's four sides to that ring. Yeah, you haven't quite surrounded it. Yeah, the audience is doing the filling in. That's <laughs> and it. That's the minions, the they can't break the fourth wall of the ring. And it was another case where the minions were just on three sides. And he's like, the ring's surrounded. And I'm like, makes it there. Get off there. Jump over the ring. Yeah. Uh, then uh, Lever Bates came out and shushed the crowd, but she gets shushed herself. And Peter Avalon, who's the other librarian, is in one of the tents. The crowd were d- d- not into this at all. Really were not into this. And I don't understand the gimmick. At all? She's a librarian. And I get that it's supposed to be rubbish. Because, yeah. like, it's, it's, so the Young Bucks have picked her. I think it's the Young Bucks picked her and Kenny and Cody picked Peter Avalon or it's the other way around I think the Bucks might have picked Avalon but so I, I get like the, the, the joke of it yeah. and I get that it's comedy and so that's all fine and it's supposed to be a bad gimmick but it's like crap gimmick wrestling mm. like I wouldn't put on a show with those actual gimmicks because no. they actually would be the whole point is that they're crap they wouldn't yeah. have got over um, so this led to a match with um, Ali uh, in her AEW in-ring debut but it wasn't supposed to be Ali, was it? It was meant to be Kylie Ray. Oh, was that it? Yeah, so it was originally meant to be Kylie Ray, and they, they didn't, they just sort of Ali just came out, and yeah. they didn't really say why. I don't know if there was anything announced before the pay-per-view that changed that, but yeah, in our predictions, it was Kylie Ray and Lever Bates. Ah, well. So, there you are. Either way, I think I had Kylie Ray down anyway, which yeah. gave us the point. Um, Ali uh, sort of gets worked over a little bit, and then uh, the demon part of her personality comes out. Match went so much longer than I thought it would, uh, and then um, Ali won. So at the end, uh, Avalon gets up onto the apron and tries to throw a book to Bates. But I, because they're also sort of feuding, even though they're on the same side now, that uh, he would almost purposely throw it to Ali so that yeah. Ali could then distract Bates and then hit um, the BSE for the win. Yeah, it was a weird match. Weird match. I think Ali looked really good, and she was very over. People really liked her. Yeah, Uh, Ali's awesome. I didn't mind some of. I I didn't mind actually Peter Avalon's some of his distractions. I liked when he was just reading the book and he just did a little tap to the legs as she went into the ropes. There was little bits like that that there were glimmers of hope in what was a fairly bog standard match. Yeah, pretty much. I did like also the uh, like the chick the Rings of Saturn style submission pulling the hair and then shushing her. Yeah, that, that was, was very That was actually quite yeah, funny. And I, didn't, and I didn't mind, like, the, the opening as well with the sort of, like, ducking all the clotheslines into, like, shh. Yeah. Like, all that stuff is quite fun. It just didn't need a five-minute bit before it uh, that made it quite boring. I almost think that it did, because you kind of needed to get over the whole shushing thing in the first place for mm. the, the spots in the match to make sense. I wonder if it's all the, like... I don't know. I wonder, given time... I, it, let's see how this fares in front of an all-out crowd. Mm. Come August, let's see how it works there, because that would be your most die-hard audience. Yeah, and you might have, wor- you might you have might got have, it over. You might have got it over by that point. Something that massively got over with me, however, was a match that I was told was absolutely pantalons, and I <laughs> thought was really fun. It was yeah, pantalon. Michael Nakazawa versus Alex Jabaley. So, for the people that don't like this match, like it's a celebrity comedy match. Mm. <laughs> it's not going to be Brett Sean at WrestleMania or no. Kenny Okada at Dominion. This set out to be one thing, and I think it executed that one thing very well. 
and yeah. I was entertained. It was it was actually fairly fun. I think I was sort of down on it, and then uh, Justin Wong hands a fight stick out of the crowd, and I was like, Justin Wong, I love <laughs> Justin Wong, um, and then I was into it. So yeah, I'm I, I'm basic. I pati- I mean, oh, totally. I mean, we're both basic for, <laughs> for really enjoying this match. But like, there were some spots here that I, I really enjoyed. Like Excalibur said that we won't see this sort of nepotism when AEW gets on TV. Yeah. And um, like AEW was saying, like, I'm expecting this to be a complete train wreck from the outset. But I, predi- I liked um, Nakazawa using the baby oil to escape from the, the, yeah. hip, like, the, the hip lock. And then spraying baby oil onto Jabali so that when he does a foot stomp... He slips and also does a senton. Yeah, it's uh, lovely stuff. I want to see how far that goes. <laughs> but yeah, there will be a point where he loops the entire ramp and slides into the ring. Yeah, at some point in AEW's future, I imagine. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Use the uh, the arcade stick, as you said, and then um, they did a, a body slam into the luxury pool that was by ringside, which was just an inflatable with like a flamingo thing in there. Nakazawa at one point strangled him with a GameCube controller, which kind of popped out of, <laughs> popped me. Um, and he then, takes his thong off. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, t- talk us through this spot. So Sorry, he Blake. really awkwardly takes a thong off uh, from under his jock. Yeah. And then, uh, and then um, sort of works it into a mandible claw-like thing. Yeah, like stretches it over his arm. Gets ducks, gets a big German, and then basically he's trapped in his own thong for a while. And gets put in sort of... They said he was put in his own Kimura. (laughs) Which I thought was great commentary. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, and then he accidentally hits the referee with a claw. And then Jabaili gets the roll-up cradle and the visual pin. And then he rolls him back over with the the, the, the little jock strap on his face. The mandible thong. Yeah, Yeah. the mandible thong. And um, there was also a spot where uh, Jabaili took out a a bag full of arcade buttons. Mm. Which I thought was actually a very, very funny visual. Yeah. And... Granted, like later on in the show, you got the thumbtacks, and when they pulled it out, we, I think it was Excalibur was like, "There won't be th- there won't be fight buttons in there." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I actually I it wasn't as bad as a lot of people made it out. I think it was knockabout fun. It was knockabout fun. It didn't make me want to buy a pay per view. Yeah, but it was knockabout. Fun. Like I said, I think that's the thing is that I think if you were gonna if you were gonna have these matches, and this is you no, know, this is the sort of rampant nepotism that you get in something where it is you know his. Co- like he is part of the the gaming festival that's going on. He's the, the CEO. He's the, C- CEO. He's the CEO of CEO. So he probably just wanted to have a match, and it feels very like uh, being the elite insider kind of knowledge that this has gone mm. down before, and it's all part of this wider thing. And it's really for the crowd in the arena. But don't make it part of the bit that makes you buy the pay per view. I know you didn't have to buy this pay per view, but if you're in America, if you're in the UK, you did. Oh yeah, so yeah, like I know you didn't in America, you didn't have to buy the pay per view. So it's that kind of thing of like you do need to make sure that when you do this stuff, you are making it feel like an actual proposition of like you're going to get some really good stuff and it's going to come in this show, but you yeah. get to see a snippet of it here, having the weird librarian, baby oil man, and a really a really good tag match, but like. Two of if two of your three things are stupid, yeah, people might just go, "Oh, this feels really dumb." Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you got to win over new. You got to win over new fans as that, well. You can't. You well. can't just keep dining out on people who are disaffected with WWE. This, I, well, Gorilla Position made this point. James Delo was talking about it. How he was watching the uh, the buy-in show for Double or Nothing with his wife mm-hmm. and, and I believe he said a friend of his. And there was a spot during that match where uh, Joey Janet, where Jimmy Havoc stapled. A, a, a lit cigarette to Joey Janela, yeah. And his wife was just like, no, "I'm done." 
I'm, yeah, yeah. I, I'm out. And it was just, and he thought to himself, like, well, that that's one fan they possibly could have had because she was enjoying it up until that point. Yeah. And she might have enjoyed it after that, but that one thing just really turned her off from it. But then again, you can't please everyone. No. Can't please everyone. Where we got onto the main show, which had a cool opening video package to hype up AEW and Fighter Fest. Um, and it, they announced that, uh, I mean, it was announced previously, but they were really highlighting here that Moxley versus Janela will be unsanctioned. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lights out, lights up moment. Um, and everyone had been telling Cody not to take on Darby Allen. But we got our first match of the night, which was uh, Christopher Daniels versus Shima, uh, which was a good opener. Um, Shima kicked out of the Angels' wings, and then he hit the Meteora for the win. Mm-hmm. thought it was good stuff, and it made sense for uh, Shima to pick up the win here because he's facing Kenny Omega at Fight for the Fallen. He is indeed. So I thought it was good stuff. And also they took the the OVW team, took the pinfall, didn't they, uh OWE. OWE, sorry. <laughs> OVW. OWE took the pinfall at uh, Double or Nothing, didn't they? Mm. So, yeah. I enjoyed this next match way more, though. Yes. This triple this threat was match. great. I love this. This triple threat match between Rio, Nyla Rose, and Yuka Sakazaki was awesome. Mm. I thought this was absolutely wicked. Yeah. this is. I think this is the sort of uh, the right way to have done powerhouse female booking. Like... In a way, they didn't do with Nia on WWE, say. Like, this, this was kind of felt like the exact right way to do it because it was all worked around uh, your two Japanese stars working together to take down the bigger, stronger Nyla Rose. Yeah. But they also have a rivalry going on, so they do some amazing in-ring work when they have the chance. She comes in and does amazing chucking people around spots. It was brilliant. It was so I much really, fun. I really, really, really liked this match. And, and she was dressed as like a sort of bridal scorpion, Nyla Rose, <laughs> yeah, wasn't she? Like scorpion yeah. on his wedding day. I loved it. And uh, the crowd were massively into Yuka Sakazaki. Like, mm. They absolutely loved her. And um, yeah, there was just some really, really fu- uh, fun spots in this. Where, but it was kind of built around how Nyla could have picked up the win at, at several yeah. points during the match, but she chose not to because she sort of thought to herself, well, I'm amongst these much smaller Joshi girls, so I'm just going to keep killing them and having fun with it, and I'll just win when I fancy yeah, it. Yeah, too cocky. Too Not too cocky, which lend up to Rio getting the win. I was surprised that there was Rio. Um, but I, it was, and it was the Samoa Joe finish as well, which, um, which you know, the surprise roll-up, and then Nyla looks angry afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she destroyed both of them after. Um, and then they... Oh, no, so she tried to attack. She attacked Rio, and then Yuka made the save, uh, but there's no friendships between them. Yeah, so she pushes her down as she, like, tries to help her up. She pushes Yuka yeah. down. And Yuka does the, the most amazing... Uh, impression of Puss in Boots from Shrek 2 uh, that I've ever seen. Just the bit where he's got the... Yeah. She's got, like, yeah, kitty cat eyes. There was an amazing spot as well where Rio um, did a crossbody onto Nyla and Nyla caught her, which you're like, yeah, I mean, it's a fairly sander spot. And then Yuka dives as well and Nyla just catches her with ease. Yeah. And it was, I was like, whoa, yeah. that's pretty cool. There was and a bit where she just did the sort of crazy uh, suplex onto the ropes and then did a diving knee from the turnbuckle oh, that was just nuts absolutely it was really really good very much enjoyed that uh, Kip Sabian uh, came out to join the commentary team because he's facing the winner of the next match which was a fatal four way I really enjoyed this as well MJF versus Jimmy Havoc versus Hangman Page versus Jungle Boy I thought this was actually really really great mm-hmm. I love MJF I yeah think he's so good I just I, I just think his character is amazing Luke Owens like, number one fan and I yeah <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't you, fortunately, but I love that when someone said, yeah, just finish interviewing MJF, he unplugged my mic. Yeah, that was Sean Ross Yeah, so good. He was absolutely amazing. Because he was cutting this promo beforehand, and the crowd chanted, you suck. 
And he just followed it up with, you know the basement of the mother you live in? She swallows. <laughs> very good. Shut down yeah. that chant very, yeah, very he, and he had great. Dis- he had good descriptions of all of his opponents. He said, like, a knockoff Tarzan, yeah. a 65-year-old man still in his goth phase, and sea biscuit. Seabiscuit. <laughs> <laughs> Very it's just good. really fun. Oh yeah, I, mean, I know we're at a gaming convention. Uh, I used to love video games till I lost my virginity. Hey, very good He's stuff. And then uh, Jungle Boy comes out uh, and described as coming to the ring riding Luchasaurus. <laughs> <laughs> this is a wonderful tag team. He had to, like, he had to like, hang down off him to go through the, uh, yeah. the tunnels, so he had to pop up after he got through the tunnel. What a wonderful partnership mm-hmm. this is. And this is also where we've got a JR burying Hangman Page for not being uh, a fake weight. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I, I thought Hangman and Jungle Boy worked really, really well together in this. Actually, the, all four men got their moments to shine. It was, and as a, uh, a, the Brit that we are and as a big fan, I w- it was lovely seeing Havoc getting a time to shine yeah. and get some moments in there, hitting the acid rainmaker. Uh, I, I thought he actually was really, really good. Yeah, I really like Jimmy. I think he's got like just an interesting style because he's he obviously positions himself to not be the sort of technical wrestler, mm. but he's just got like just little bits where he's he was doing a couple of, like forearms in the corner and he just does his little trip. And yeah. then does a running slide. It's like all that kind of stuff I just really, really like about him. Yeah. And an amazing spot as well where um, well, actually Jungle Boy did this hanging cannonball moonsault. And it, when you say, you're like, well, those three words don't really go together. And you're like, no, they don't. And the move yeah. is bonkers. Like, it, doesn't, it looks like it doesn't work, but works incredible at the same yeah. time. Really bizarre. It's a parkour flip, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I just wrote down what happened. What just <laughs> happened? Just, <laughs> and they do this Tower of Doom spot with Hangman, Havoc, and Jungle Boy. But rather than uh, MGF get involved, they just did the Tower of Doom into him. Yeah. Because <laughs> he runs into the ring and then he goes, No! <laughs> <laughs> they all just collapsed on top of him. It was really funny stuff. Um, and then at the end, um, uh, have, uh, I said Havoc here, Paige hit the uh, Deadeye on Havoc to get the win. And Saban, and I love this as well, because Kip Saban was actually quite good on commentary. He was putting over Jimmy very much during, during the match as well was, as a fellow Brit. But he was, had a great reason to be happy that Paige won. Because he said, I mean, I'm facing him at Fight for the Fallen. I'm facing off against one of the number one contenders to the title. Mm-hmm. If I can win, that puts me into that conversation yeah, as well. Yeah, it was really clever by Kip. Really, really clever. like that a lot. Yeah, I, love the, I like the finish of this as well. I like the fact that they're, you know, they're, they're also slow building a Hangman-MJF feud. Yes. Uh, and it's, you know, the, the finale of the match is that Hangman hits the buckshot lariat but MJF ducks it and Jimmy eats it and then that's Jimmy eats it Uh, and then (laughs) and then yeah he hits the dead eye and then that's the that's the finish yeah it's just a really clever like little bit of stuff there was also an an amazing MJF character moment that was played off a couple of times in it where uh, MJF is outside the ring Jungle Boy uh, is pinned by Hangman, and he just puts Hang, he just puts Jungle Boy's foot on the ropes and just backs off from the ring, and is just smiling, going yeah. like, Magical "What are you going to do?" Yeah. But then there's a point where he it. has a roll up on Hangman as well, and he's got his feet on the ropes, yeah. and Jungle Boy knocks him off, yeah, to nice. break the pin up. It's just a nice little callback of like dishonor and honor, like yeah. it's yeah, it's good stuff. I I really really like this, and as you say, like because it's setting up sort of kind of teasing this hangman versus mjf thing and like jr was saying like you know this is kind of the future of this company is mm-hmm. the, these two young kids and that was really really awesome but as i said at the start i really liked all the stuff between hangman and jungle boy mm-hmm. and there's a moment during the six man which we get into a minute where it was kenny and penta 
And I'm like, there's a lot of times that this company so far has been putting these two people together, maybe in tag matches or whatnot. And I go, oh, I want to see them. Yeah, I want to yeah. see them have a singles feud. Because I loved, I loved Kenny and Penta's match at All In last year. And I would love to see them have a series of matches mm-hmm. um, in, in AEW. I think that'd be amazing. I think it'd be the good, uh, a smart breakout. And I think like now the inclusion of like Laredo Kid and stuff. You could splinter Phoenix and him off as a tag team, yeah. or and do something with that, and then move Penta up into sort of a single star. Yeah, and then role. possibly move Penta back and move Phoenix into that singles role as well. And yeah, I think that's the thing is, as long as you've got enough guys, you can keep rotating rotate one person from that group to be your main eventer. Yeah. And it's the same thing you can do that with SCU, you can do it mm-hmm. with the Bucks, because the Bucks are very good singles wrestlers as well. Yeah. And it's, it's when we were talking about uh, Cody and Dustin, like what an incredible singles match they were. But now that they've formed a tag team, I'm like, well, now I want to see them face everyone. Yeah. Like, now I'm interested in seeing Cody having singles feuds with people, but I'm also really interested in seeing Cody and Dustin having matches with the Lucha Brothers mm-hmm. and SCU. I think and as, long as, they keep, as long as they keep the matchups fresh, I think that will be the, the kind of... the the thing that will differentiate you the most from WWE would be yeah. to just have fresh matches. Fresh matchups. Uh, then we've got Cody and Darby Allen, which we talked about at the start of the show. Fantastic. Fantastic stuff. And then we got the match of the night for me, which was the six man between the Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid versus the Elite. Mm-hmm. Um, JR and I was Scooby-Doo what was going on with this yeah. entrance for the Elite and he didn't have a blues clue what was going on <laughs> it, was a, it was actually quite funny it was really funny I, I loved the entrance as well I thought it was wicked I just thought yeah. the, the, the Bucks coming out as Ryu and Ken yeah and then the lights Not go. Ryu and Ken, Golden Boy. Yeah, and then you get the full uh, lights off. Yeah, because raging was... demon graphics. So it felt like so. Yeah, <laughs> Nick and <laughs> Nick and Matt come out as Ryu and Ken with like Street Fighter music playing, mm-hmm. and then it looks like a fan runs out onto the stage to celebrate with them, and they're like, "Yeah, what's this? Lights go out." Yeah, and as I said, then you get the graphics for like the. <laughs> and I was sort of written here, Omega uh, Akumad him to death. Yeah. <laughs> And Omega's just stood there with the back tattoo. Yeah, back tattoo and everything. He's got the red hair as well. It was funny when I saw the... Um, someone had sent me an image. Or I saw, rather, I saw an image of this on, uh, on Twitter uh, yesterday. And it was... But it was, it was taken from the crowd. Mm-hmm. So I just saw the Young Bucks. I could clearly tell the Young Bucks. Celebrating with a guy with red hair. And I was like... Oh man, Kenny couldn't make the show, so they had to get a carder in instead. Because you remember a carder oh, had that red yeah, hair for a little yeah, bit. Yeah. I was like, Carter's dyed his hair again, and he's brought him back. <laughs> no, it was just Omega. Um, but yeah, he dyed his hair to look like uh, Akuma. And you, uh, they got the elite got Justin Roberts to before the match start to announce it as round one fight. Loved it. Good stuff. Good right crowd to do it in front of as well. You couldn't do this in front of the Fight for the Fallen or All Out mm. crowd or even the Double or Nothing crowd. It was like this specific where you've got a real gaming slash wrestling mm-hmm. audience there. It's the perfect place to do it. Well, yeah, and it ties into the sort of passion project angle they've been, well, thing they've been doing with it where it's like this is something Kenny wanted to do specifically as Yeah, well. Kenny's like, very big with CEO. Yeah, exactly. He, was get, he got New Japan over last year to do some stuff mm-hmm. with them, which actually where sort of like the, the Jabali stuff started last year. Um, this was just, like the crowd was so into this match. There was too, there was too much happening. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't physically write it down fast enough. I know, and I was, was trying like, to eat at the same like, time as well. What are the spots? What are the spots? I'm trying to eat a falafel wrap and I keep putting it down to make a note. Yeah. It out and I was like, it was I can't do both of these things. Yeah. It was so much. In the end, I actually just stopped taking notes and I just watched the match. And I just absolutely 
loved it. My perhaps my favourite spot of this is when they all did the Hadoukens. Yeah, that was awesome. Because you had the yeah Laredo kid and the Lucha Brothers side to charge them, and they just sort of power up and just Hadouken them, and they just mm. do these big old crazy bumps. Very very fun moments, and it was like Jr. He didn't know what a street fighter was. He, he might have seen the movie at some point, but uh, so you have Golden Boy and Excalibur just sort of like every now and again just being like, "That's a reference to a video game, Jr." <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm with you now. Um, I've yeah. written here, Laredo Kid tries a dive, after loads of other dives, and Omega killed him with a knee. Yeah. He ran forward, and he jumped up, and Laredo Kid lost his head. He was getting his practice in for later. That was oh, why. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <He> was. <laughs> getting, getting it, working out his run-ups and trajectories. That was it. He just kneed him so hard. I was like, whoa. Yeah. And then they set up a spot where uh, the Bucks were going to do a Meltzer driver on the floor, I'd like to add. And uh, Nick slightly misstepped his jump up the ropes. But then Phoenix, who was on the turnbuckle, walks across the ropes, grabs him in a Spanish fly, and does a Spanish fly off the top rope, sort of like in the middle portion, onto uh, Matt Jackson on the outside. Just crazy mm. stuff. It was so good. There was, uh, there was just a lot of like really clever little bits of chemistry here. There was like, just before that crazy V-trigger, there was a bit with Laredo Kid. Uh, sorry, no, one of the Jacksons, I think it's Matt, he does a huge baseball sliding drop kick, but, oh no, sorry, like a wrecking ball drop kick mm. through the ropes, and then goes to skin the cat to bring himself back in, and as he turns upwards, he just eats a drop kick, <laughs> and it has to sort of bounce off, yeah. and flip back over, and fall down. It was so, so cool, these little moments, there was a, um, a moment where, to stop the pin being broken up, Penta just hits a destroyer a Canadian destroyer yeah he yeah. just goes oh well I'm going to stop that being done and, I mean, it, 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 and Omega still kicks out and it's like you did oh that didn't help yeah he did that in Impact as well and it was um, the Lucha Brothers versus LAX actually oh, one step of, over one the step yeah. over one it was actually one of my favourite feuds of the year yeah that was fun so so amazing and yeah it's, I, I love Pentagon Jr he's one of my favourite wrestlers in the world mm, I think he's, he's so incredible. so good I think and he's very versatile yeah he, he really can have is. this match but he can also have the Sammy Callahan match yeah, yeah. oh man that Sammy Callahan match is so good and I, I felt like they were sort of like teasing and they were kind of setting up down the line, we could get an Omega versus Pentagon Jr. feud, mm -hmm. which I'm um, chef's kiss. I'm well, because yes, there was an amazing bit where uh, Kenny go and Kenny kept teasing the dive as well, and he, I think he hit it eventually. But it doesn't even matter because there's a point where he goes for this huge sprinting dive, mm. and Penta slides into the ring and just stops him. Yeah, and takes his glove, takes off. The glove off to do the zero. Meters. Yeah, and it but like just it's. I don't say that right. Just that. Meow 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 meow. He takes the glove off to do the zero meow meow zero meow meows and uh, it's and then just yeah, calls him a calls him a b. Oh, he he had some choice. Yeah, he had some choice words for him and then does zero meow in his face. It's such a cool moment. Zero meows. Um, they announced that after the match was done that. Hey, Fighter Fest is officially done now. Mm -hmm. Officially, this show has ended. What happens next is not sanctioned by AEW. So, you can watch it if you want. This was, though. <laughs> so, you, you can watch it if you want. But, well, I suppose that wasn't really sanctioned by AEW. No. That was Sean Spears acting of his own accord in, oh, in yes. storyline. I guess so. In kayfabe. And, um, yeah, so I thought it was actually... A really awesome presentation. Mm -hmm. It almost felt a bit like at MediaCon last year when Impact had Jimmy Havoc versus Sammy Callahan oh, as the main event. Because they were very similar echoes in this match. Actually, I thought the same yeah. thing actually. Yeah, and it was, and they were announcing like throughout the night that is going to be our main event. It is not going to be for kids. 
So if you want to take your, if you want to watch, you can watch the rest of the show now. But then a very different match is going to happen. And we're going to give you plenty of warning. Plenty of warning, so you can yeah. get out of here. I, I loved this presentation because mm-hmm. then all of a sudden an unsanctioned match makes sense. Yeah. And but you thumbs up to that. Well, the idea that, yeah, you want to be like, these two guys wanted to do this. Like, wanted to do this as a concept. Um, and, yeah, but you, like, I love the idea of, like, we're distancing ourselves from this. We don't want to do that, et cetera, et cetera. However, obviously, like I said, it does set the precedent that, like, this might be an AEW thing, especially with John Moxley as one of your big stars. Mm. That, you, you know, if, if they're not going to do that in TNT going forward... They have to keep this sort of thing special. To pay-per-views only. To yeah. pay-per-views only, but also just like not even every pay-per-view. No, absolutely to, not. You need to build to a John Moxley oh, yeah. death match now. Yeah, like, absolutely. Absolutely. The, uh, I mean, there's a lot of benefits to Moxley being in AEW. He's, mm-hmm. got, a bit, he's got creative freedom. You know, he yeah. feels, feels so rejuvenated. Like, this doesn't feel like the same guy we were seeing earlier on this year. Like, no. it's a totally different kettle of fish. But really, the big bonus of this is that we get Justin Roberts to say the word John. And yeah. Justin Roberts saying the word John. Yeah! It's Do you know what? If, if Moxley leaving <coughs> WWE has just given us that, then that's all I could have asked for. <coughs> I mean, he... He was great here. I love oh, this. Moxley was... I, I, I credit to Janela as well. I thought Janela was really, really great. And this match was very... It was your... I don't want to, I hate to use the word typical death match. But it was... We will do a big spot. Then we'll go... We'll get another weapon. <coughs> and we'll do another spot. Then we'll get some more plunder. We'll do another spot. Mm-hmm. Then we'll get some different plunder. And we'll do another spot over here. It was just... It, it set out what it wanted to do. And it executed it very, very well. Yeah. But that's. I think that's the thing. Is like, you know... Uh, this is Moxley's first sort of return to the thing that he's known for mm-hmm. and the thing that he wanted to do. So it's kind of important to do that now. Lo- yeah, so it was actually really <laughs> nice for him. John, John, really John Ray- up, <laughs> Jonathan Water. <coughs> I'm fine. Maybe it's, fine. it's because we haven't got Ollie Davis on camera. We need someone <laughs> that could just cough off Mike mm. every now and again. Um, so yeah, this was like very much spot-based. Very ECW vibe about it as well because mm-hmm. you had like Janela grabbing a prosthetic leg off someone to use as a weapon. I love Mox's swagger yeah. these days. These days. I just love the way he just sort of walks around the ring, the way he carries himself, just feels like a completely different person. Uh, they did flip dives and with chairs, mm-hmm. and they did like a, a seating chair flip dive spots. Mox grabbed a chair with barbed wire wrapped around it that had like bloody napkins on it. And they were like, oh, that's from when he was trying to put the barbed wire on earlier. He was just cutting his hands up yeah, to that do was it. Freaking gross. It uh, was, yeah. yeah. Like that bit where he just put that, like that, that was sort of the opening of violence really for this match because it was a very standard sort of chuck yourself around the ring bit mm-hmm. before that. And then he gets that chair and the first thing he does is just put it on him and just step on it. And yeah. it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I like that he stepped on it and then bowed to the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> it was very, very nice. Well, yeah, as he got a uh, sick F chance and he was just like... My, one of my favourite spots of this is where um, Janela had a, a table set up outside earlier in the match and Mox was trying to put him through the table later on and they sort of got onto the apron to do it mm-hmm. but it felt like they're getting on the apron to set up the next spot but actually Janela just grabs him it's just like we're going through this table mate yeah. just like I'm going with you mother effer and it just like drags him down into this table it was yeah. really really cool barely a Russian leg sweep that's it calling it, yeah because yeah, Escalibur said like us, you know side Russian leg sweep and they were like no he dragged him through that table and he's yeah. like do you know what I was actually being very generous when I said yeah, it was a yeah, Russian yeah. leg sweep and they said like Janela probably got the worst of that because he Hit his, his head. head on the yeah. thing. Yeah. 
I mean, it was inventive violence, wasn't it? Inventive violence. And they had a spot where Moxley was on two tables and Jenna climbed up a big ladder and did a big elbow drop through the two things. It looked awful. They brought out a board that was covered in barbed wire as well so that Moxley could get thrown into that. And uh, then he had the board set up on the outside and, and Janela crashed through that as well. And, and that, got was the wor- that was the worst Got one. stuck in it a little bit. Yeah, because Moxley was stuck in... Moxley was sort of like a Death Valley fireman's carry takeover yeah. type thing. And yeah, Moxley kind of got stuck, but Janela just grabbed his foot and just rolled him out, but <laughs> threw more of the barbed wire. Yeah. And then, yeah, when Janela was in there, nobody was helping him. Nope. Absolutely o- of not. his own steam, he had to just be like, bonk, bonk, bonk. And then... Uh, Moxley grabbed a bag. There's no fight stick buttons in this one, folks. And it's uh, tax. And he takes off Joey's boots and uh, hits sort of like a explode a front suplex into the tax. His you X-plex know, thing. His X-plex thing. And then finally drops the feet into the tax as well for that spot. That's uh, horrible. And you just had uh, Janela flip him off. And he got given his, uh, the D- DDT, which is not the Dirty Ds. And it's got a different name in uh, New Japan as well. But it's the Paradigm Shift. Mm-hmm. In AEW, and uh, that's the win. And I, do you know it's what? The Death Rider in Japan. Isn't that's it? it. Yeah, and that's it's one of the things Death that people have said. Name. Yeah, it's one of the things that people have noticed about Moxley since leaving is that his dirty deeds is actually a good move now. Yeah. Because like pre- previously, people would just fall down onto their knees and that, and you take the move. Now it feels like people are just flying up in the air to make this move look like a million bucks. Well, people are selling it in that sort of. I think in that same way that like Kenny Omega takes a code breaker kind mm. of vibe. It's I think just people who worked in Japan just have a different way of taking things and yeah. WWE's sort of safety first style doesn't necessarily make certain moves look as cool as they could look yeah it's like when RVD used to take the RKO and he mm. would essentially just lawn dart himself into the world yeah instead <laughs> just go <laughs> yeah exactly and I think that, but the, he's also lifting them now as well yeah. into, the, into it so like he did he hits one before just mm. like as part of a comeback he just pops up and just hits one but it's just a DDT, they call it. They don't call it the, the paradigm shift. Yeah. So, yeah. After the match, uh, he's celebrating, Moxley, that is. And then Omega runs down and absolutely wallops him with a V-trigger. Just canes him. Oh, and then he does it like a springboard stomp onto Mox between the table <sighs> shards. Um, and then they fight up towards the... They had a band, like they had a kit set up for a band that never showed up because of tying into the fire fest. 182. Was it actually Blink-182? It was meant to be Blink-182. Oh, I see. Uh, I missed that bit. There was a bit where it's... Um, what's his face? What is his name? I can't remember. Uh, one of their mates. Um, and he's saying, that, yeah, the band's left. Can't be. But I think they've been tweeting like Mark Hoppus about it, <laughs> from what I've seen. <laughs> Wait, are they still going? Yeah. Really? Well, it's not Tom DeLonge anymore. It's now uh, the singer from Alkaline Trio. Is really? Blink-182, yeah. Wow. Well. More, you know. Um, yeah, then Omega, like, it looked like it was all over and the referees are carrying Moxley up and then Moxley shoves off the referees and Omega runs out and hits him with a trash can again and hits his own double-arm DDT onto the trash mm-hmm. can. But the closing image is Mox smiling. Yeah. It's Mox enjoying it. He got exactly what he wanted from Kenny Omega. He wants Neg- to bring out the negative version of Kenny Omega. And so they're now going to have a match at All Out. Yes. Which is like, so that's one of the two matches they've got announced thus far. Moxley and Omega and um, Jericho Page for mm-hmm. the title. And it's it's sold out. And it had a massive amount of demand. More demand than any WrestleMania has ever had. So... <clears throat> things appear to be going quite well for all elite oh, wrestling yeah. one might yeah. argue and I thought that was a terrific show it was really fun I, I think it. yeah I think there were a couple of weak points and they were mostly on the pre-show which yep. is kind of you know you could argue that's where you want them to be yeah because uh, it's not the bit that people have paid for um, but I also think there should be something to make people want to buy the thing in the first place <laughs> yeah uh, the whole point of it yeah but 
uh, all in all, an incredible show. I, just, I think there's some like issues again with the booking of like your unsanctioned matches and your chair shots and all that kind of stuff. It's like if that's not what you're going to do going forward, maybe you shouldn't be telling people that's kind of what you're doing now. I don't know. I, I just think yeah. like, you might come a cropper when you get to TNT and it's a very watered-down version because it's the televised version of AEW. So maybe you should work out what the ratings board are going to want you to do before you get on telly yeah. and start doing it now. Well, it'll be very interesting to see where we go from here, but I thought it was a thumbs-up show. Oh, yeah, Really, fantastic. really, really enjoyed it. Chuck uh, P. Quinnell, what are people saying up in the chats? So, we have got... Uh, James Plays Games uh, comes in and says, I love Firefest. It built storylines well and left me wanting more. All the wrestlers were presented like stars, even those who lost. Sorry, I just clipped my microphone a little bit there. But yes, that was... I, I completely agree with you on, on that one. I thought it was... Again, all these people that won are the people that are getting big matches at like the next shows mm-hmm. or the shows that are coming after that. So I actually think it's, it makes people feel like stars. I don't think anyone on the main card came out of it looking bad absolutely not at all Joey Janela certainly didn't yeah there, but there Darby Allen certainly didn't yeah I mean Joey Janela looked bad in the fact that he was cut open yeah <laughs> but other than yeah. I head. think I think that's the, that's the thing is that everyone actually came out of this feeling important and like a star and it was it was just star making potential across the board absolutely yeah gotta agree uh, Jobber JJ 496 Ollie Davis number one fan uh, says, with four executives and a billionaire, what is AEW's product? Are they confused, or is this and next pay-per-views means mean nothing besides wins and losses? So I think he's like, there doesn't seem to be any consistency between double or nothing and this, I think is what he's getting at. Is there not? I don't know. I thought there was. Yeah. I thought they were building from things that happened at double or nothing into this show, and they were talking about the wins that happened at double or nothing to mm-hmm. build into this and sort of gain momentum. Darby Allen was saying that he wants to kind of make Cody's record one and one. I thought it was a lot of carry-on. I thought it was some good synergy between the two. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think there was a lot of, like, they played into a lot of little feuds, and they, they're obviously building stuff in the only way they can do at the moment online. So... And via Twitter, I guess, like, bigger than the YouTube channel stuff. So, yeah, I, I felt like this was, everything kind of made sense here. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Kratos' Forgotten Son uh, comes oh, in and says... Oh, Patreon Pledgehammer. Yeah. Uh, it says, I'm a week late, but welcome back, Luke. Darby's bump was also insane and looked very convincing. Oof, I don't like that bump at all, mate. Yeah, Absolutely not. I don't know how he managed to it take it. It winded me. Yeah. I, just, I don't know how he did it. Oh, no. He just maintained not. all of his momentum. It was like the alien getting sucked out at the end of Resurrection. Spoilers for Alien Resurrection. I filmed the came out in 1997. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, there was a, a crazy, crazy spot. Mm. Crazy, crazy spot. But I'm sure, I'm sure Darby knows what he's doing. I, I'm sure he Question does. mark? Question mark. But also, all those years of skateboarding have trained him well. I suppose, yeah. Like, mm. I mean, that's pro- Tony Hawk could have been a great wrestler if he'd given yeah. it a shot. Um, but also, and thank you for welcoming me back. It's been it's lovely to be back. Darby Allen's 23. He'll be fine. <laughs> 22. Yeah. He's fine. Whatever he is, he's young. Uh, KJ comes in and says, as Lever Bates was walking down the ramp, did anyone hear a guy shout, "This gimmick sucks"? Yes. I agree with him. Yeah, I think that's the point, though. Yeah, it's supposed to suck. Hopefully. But Fingers that doesn't crossed. mean it's good. Mm, indeed. Uh, Lincoln Jack Don me? Sorry, I forgot your name wrong there. Uh, says, uh, quoting something or someone, saying, if there's pilot error, there's pilot error. If so, then why hasn't Vince contacted, contacted ground control yet? 
Uh, also, please don't compare Benoit to Cody. I didn't compare Benoit to Cody. I know you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I just said that we've got to look at this in the Benoit, uh, post-Benoit world. Indeed. Yeah. Um, Benoit is the finale of taking too many shots to the head. Yes, it should have been. He should have been the, uh, the, the bit of punctuation, the full stop at the end of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, that, that's what all the comments are later on. That's going to be a, I'm not, it's going to be a minefield to get through. Um, crikey. Anyway, what was, what was the question? Why hasn't Vince uh, phoned ground control? Sure, if, yeah. said, if there's pilot error, there's pilot error, with, in quotation marks. Yeah, it was you know, the Tony Khan The quote, Tony yeah. Khan thing. So, so if so, why hasn't Vince contacted ground control yet? He did, it's called Eric Bischoff. Hey, all. <laughs> He'll save Raw. Ground control. Actually, Smackdown, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, Timothy Jones. Eric Bischoff. <laughs> <laughs> Timothy Jones comes in and says, Decent pay-per-view. I see how great Double or Nothing and All In was, but I think this might be the constant product we get from AEW when it hits TV. It was okay, but not amazing. What do you guys think? Well, I've already kind of said what you guys think. But oh, I thought I was. A, I really liked it. I thought it was a really, really fun show. Yeah. Yeah, really liked it. Cool. Uh, Ice5150 says, uh, Nick Jackson said that the chair was gimmicked. Yeah, that's what we were talking about at the start of the show. So if you came in a bit late, we did talk about how the yeah Nick and uh, and Tony Khan said that the chair was supposed to be gimmicked. Even if it was supposed to be gimmicked, I still wouldn't have done the shot, uh, done it, that spot the way mm. that they did it. Use a dummy chair, I think, is probably the better than gimmicking a regular chair. Yeah, use an actual fake chair. I would have done it because, for exact reasons like this, there's always there's always room for it to go wrong. Yeah. And, you know, they have doctors in place. If you gimmick the wrong bit. So. Give me the wrong bit. And they said that the doctors were in place, but things can go wrong. I remember um, uh, it's the ECW One Night Stand, the first one they did, the 2005 show. There's a spot where um, uh, they go through a table, and just part of the table just sort of, like, sticks up. Mm. And I'm, I'm thinking, like, someone could easily just puncture something on that. Yeah, and, that, and if you puncture something on that, that could be very, very dangerous. Yeah. Probably don't do that. Yeah, especially since they'll probably try and drag you up within seconds. Yeah. You might be like... Exactly. Uh, Kratos has forgotten son comes back in again uh, and says Darby reminded me of a member of Raven's Flock stable in WCW which is very cool yeah he's not that cool though is he <laughs> not Raven cool not Raven's Flock cool <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> uh, Project Epic comes in and says uh, should people reserve their judgement until we find out exactly what went wrong with the gimmick chair or is it unacceptable period uh, no, you're right, absolutely. Uh, which is why we've not really sort of we've we've set our pace, but I'm not, sort of pa- not certainly not passing judgment on the company for it. Um, I personally wouldn't have done the spot. I would have done it a different way. I think you still would have been able to continue the storyline between yeah. um, Spears and Cody without having to gimmick a chair and do this bit. Well, because also, like, I think even if even if it worked, you would still have to explain that at some gimmicked. point that it's gimmicked because you don't want to be. Cody Rhodes taking an unprotected chair shot, knowing therefore that loads of other amateur wrestlers around the country mm-hmm. are probably just going to do that now, thinking Cody Rhodes did that. Cody Rhodes, cool. exactly, like, yeah. you know, they're and back. And chair you, shots are fine. And, you, and you would have to, you know, that you 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 are a, a, an example to the younger generation of wrestlers coming up, and mm-hmm. they are going to copy things that you do. So, you know, you want to make sure that everything you're doing is explained and safe. So if it is, if it was, if it went fine and it was safe. You're going to have to say it was gimmicked. Yeah. And it, that kind of defeats the point of doing it in the first place. To me, anyway. Yeah. Like, to, to, to break kayfabe outside of it and go, yeah, actually, it was gimmicked. It was fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've always got to explain your position, which is never good. Yeah. Uh, John Marth comes in and says, just got off the phone with the PM of Ireland. I don't think that's a thing that exists. Uh, he's granted permission for Pete to use Chop of the Morning to you. <laughs> chop of the Morning no, to you. Still not happening. Definitely not. Uh, Rahil Prasad comes in and says New Zealand for the win sure hmm. yeah, yeah why not 
Um, I donate it in New Zealand dollars, so I would assume they're from New Zealand. I, just putting two and two together here, but you know, Detective um, Pikachu. <laughs> oh, <laughs> stop it. Uh, Kratos' forgotten son comes hey, in again. Hey, Christos, mate. And says, uh, forgot to say hi to Pete and Laurie earlier as well. <laughs> Great job as always, mates. Unrelated, but can we get some Bloodstained Ritual of the Night PS4 gameplay on Screen Stalker soon? Thanks again. Yes, please. Yeah, I hope so. Yes, please. Yes, please. Yeah, if Luke wants to do it, we'll do it. Yes, please. Yeah, let's yes, do that. Uh, Justin Roderick comes in the and reviews says... reviews were surprisingly good for that game. Well, of course it was. Looks well, great. Well, it didn't, well, there were really bad reviews of it from pe- conventions, so they were like, we're fixing it all, and <laughs> it could have gone either way. Yeah. I'm, I'm unsurprised. Uh, Justin Roderick <laughs> says, uh, been waiting on your opinions about the chair shot since Cody hit the mat. I hope this doesn't hinder AEW anymore. I don't think it will do. I really don't. And, like, to be honest, we, we live in a 24-hour news cycle. This will be old news by Thursday. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, just look at last week. Last <laughs> week is a, is a perfect example of how the, the Twitter and, and social media and the way that news works nowadays can, can change things. Pete and I recorded our episode on Wednesday mm-hmm. because we had to because of things were, like, the schedule sort of fell out of whack and we had sort of business away days and stuff. So we did a, a Wednesday news episode on the Seth Will stuff thinking that's the biggest news story of the week. There'll be nothing bigger than this. At least we hope there isn't. Boom, the very next day, the Bischoff-Heyman thing happened. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, come Friday, no one's talking about Seth Rollins anymore. No. Despite the fact that that was the biggest, biggest story at the start of the week. Mm-hmm. Come, come Thursday, something else will have happened, and no one will be talking about this moment. You've got three hours of Raw to have <laughs> nonsense shenanigans Somebody happen. We've got six whole hours of TV <laughs> yeah, to yeah. create You something. just wait. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, it won't hinder them whatsoever. People won't be talking about this in, in by, by next week. Well, like two weeks' time, they get to clean slate it, do the next thing. Yeah, so exactly. Uh, Acid Dunn comes in and says, I'm feeling 2000 WCW vibes, or at least late 90s. I'm assuming with WWE. Certainly not with AEW. Maybe with AEW, I don't know. I think they've got a very WCW-inspired presentation. I, I think like they've got old schooly vibes, but yeah, I can feel, I can hear that. Yeah, yeah. But the wrestling is very current. <laughs> like, also, the, like 1999 WCW and 2000 W had horrific booking week in and week mm. out. As when like, people say like, "Oh, WWE feels like." WCW is like absolutely it doesn't no. like the attendance certainly does because no one's going to the shows anymore but those shows like 1999-2000 WCW are just like abhorrently bad <laughs> where you just like, every match is like what what why what is this whereas like at least with Raw I'm just apathetic to it mm. it's just like this is bad but it's, it's you know yeah. why it's happening I don't know, at least I know why it's happening mm-hmm. yeah no one and I'm going to use this to my dying day no one as of yet on Raw has been counted out in a hardcore match where they spilled out backstage. Once that happens, then we can say it has become hey. 1999 WCW. <clears throat> Great way to uh, restart a match and avoid <laughs> wrestling in the ad breaks is to count someone out in a hardcore match and then go, oh, wait, no count outs, restart the restart match. Restart the match. Soups, my bad. Now we can have loads of referee mistakes. Yeah. Oh, spaghettios. Yeah. Oh, yeah, ref mistakes. That's the way to do this. And they have already had a rope break in a cage match. So, you know. We're getting we, we are, Yeah, we're on our way. Rules. <laughs> <laughs> what are rules? Uh, Randy, that's the number one the money fan. in the bank, and that, <laughs> that's still not been explained. We had a no contest in the Hell in a Cell last year. <laughs> so I think you've now proved the opposite point that no, you no, were no, making. No, because those are bad, but they are nowhere near <laughs> as stupid as a false count anywhere match when someone got counted out. You've got ten yeah. seconds. The, that match Go. Could have, match could have ended on the moon. They can't <laughs> get counted out. 
Randy, that's the number one fan. Tomo. Tomo. Says, uh, I enjoyed the show so much that I woke up everyone in my house. Keep up the good work, fellas. Cheers. I'm assuming you're talking about Firefest, not this show. Yes, Firefest. Mm-hmm. Might be enjoying this show that much, though. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, our aim. <laughs> <laughs> to annoy your family. <laughs> yeah. uh, Emilio Rivas, no message, but donation number Thank you very much. Kratos' Forgotten Son hey, comes Kratos. in again. Oh, mate. Um, he says, one last message for today. I, I bet you there's going to be another one later. Uh, one last message for one today. One more thing. <laughs> Jackie Chan's uncle yeah, reference from yeah. Jackie Chan Adventures. Very good. Uh, nice ECW Raven Tommy Dreamer reference in the title there. Huge old school fan here. Thanks again. Yeah, that chair shot heard around the world. Mm. Crikey. That was a chair shot heard around the that world. That was. This one is swung for the fences. Close, um, actually. But Pete, on that, you um, mm. are, in the ECW uh, One Night Stand 2006 review, mm. you in particular were not a fan of the uh, of the the violence on show. No, not at all. No, I was not a fan. Uh, basically, because I can't really remember wrestling that much from a pre-Benoit period. Like, mo- the vast majority of my wrestling memory comes from post-Benoit, and I know what happens when people have brain trauma. Uh, and I don't like people getting hit in the head, pretty much. And then there was just some horrible stuff with Terry Funk, and he's 61, and Mick Foley has barbed wire scraping ac- across his face, and I'm like, this isn't enjoyable to watch. If it's like a fun spot, like... Moxley. It's only four years from retirement. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> like, and if it's only four matches, from <laughs> but like four retirement matches from retirement. So like Moxley getting Death Valley drivered into a table with barbed wire on it. That's like a high spot. That's like an ooh, that's not fun to watch. When you're literally some watching someone just mutilate someone with some barbed wire, I'm like, this isn't enjoyable anymore. Like, nah, I'm, I'm past that. You're done. Yeah, I'm done. Um, anyhow. I want to do a live stream on Screen Store where we just make Chopper watch all of the Saw films back to back. He was quite no. bad. It's quite yeah. bad just playing Resident Evil. No, no, I think it'd be great. Yeah. Well, you're doing it'll be it. awful. It'll be awful. I'll speak to Ollie about it. Yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> um, uh, Tim Arndt comes in and says MGF gets the kind of heat that WWE thinks that Baron Corbin gets. His heat continues over into matches. Mm-hmm. I'm a big, big fan of MGF. I think and he's, he's, he's a big just, fan of me. He's just so good at. Like what he's doing, yeah. he's doing. He gets his character. Yeah, he really, really does. He's great. Uh, Nate drops surname says that one cannibal move put Jungle Boy over. There were a ton of people in my section who said they didn't like him and then were chanting for him afterwards. Nice. Yeah. That's all it takes. That's all it takes, man. Yep. Jungle Boy's cool. Yeah, I also like the bit where Luchasaurus saves him from falling off the apron. Yeah, and he just wobbles back and he's back up. <laughs> Uh, Forever314 says I really like this show but maybe we shouldn't be smashing metal objects into each other's skulls anyway hope you all have a lovely day <laughs> well we hope you have a lovely day as well <laughs> and uh, you're right yeah uh, Jonathan Barub says I knew nothing of Laredo Kid before this match but good god this kid is a star in the making love you guys keep up the great work Love you. Thank you very much, my friend. But yeah, the Raider Kid's very cool. Yeah, yeah, really, really good. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Uh, that's six, man. That went right into my docu- uh, my word doc of uh, best matches of the year. Mm. Really, really like again, it. Again, that thing of like, the unknown quantity for the majority of the fans there gets a lot of time, gets really well put over. Yeah, he, you know, he takes the pinfall, but he's the, the youngest guy in the match, no, you know, the, yeah. the, the freshest name in the match. So it's, and it's Kenny Omega. So, yeah, you know, much. what do you... What Very good. Liked it. Cool. We've got ten more Super Chats to go. Cool. So, uh, Tim Arndt comes in again and says, uh, I love the six-man tag, but why wasn't it a Tornado tag match? I feel like I'm the only person in the world who was constantly taken out of the match because the ref wasn't trying to restore order. And that was you and JR. 
I think when, well. the, when the rules do exist for it, I guess like it does feel a bit silly to have arbitrary tags. I always find those like the, the three corner tag matches where only two people can be in at once and it's all sneaky tags. Like that is a cool spot sometimes with like blind tags mm-hmm. and things, but half the time it's just confusing. Yeah, it just, I'm just going. Who's doing the pit? Who's, who's, who's in now? Who's doing a pin now? Yeah, I think a lot of times with these matches, after a while, I'm just like, I, I legal man syndrome doesn't bother me as much as it bothers mm. a lot of people. But I, I can totally see why it would bother people <coughs> because it is like, what are the rules? Well, and I think you, sometimes the you, point yeah. of having rules if you're not going to follow them. I think also because sometimes you just have that break of like, you don't really, you can't actually judge the jeopardy that someone's in because you don't know who's going to get the pin. <laughs> Like, you know, you it might be someone in the two people stood in the ring having a fight and neither of them is the legal man. So it's well it's like, okay, well this doesn't No it's actually this is irrelevant <laughs> yeah. because neither of them are gonna get pinned now. So they're yeah. just hurting each other for no reason. Well, it helps the tag partners who are legal. Who are on the floor. <laughs> like exactly. that's what I do. Eventually, they'll get back up. Just hide your legal man for a bit is the best thing to do. Yeah, maybe. Uh we've got FF one eight cloud says I guess Final Fantasy 18 card? I don't know. Uh, about CEO and AEW. This was a win for AEW to get CEO behind them. They use the ring and AEW stuff for GFs for a few games with 100k plus viewers per game. Nice. Mm-hmm. Cool. So good stuff for good stuff. AEW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Antonio Pierce, no message, but a donation nonetheless. Thank you. Uh, Nate Drop Surname says, uh, Yay, Chopper Peters here, number one fan. Thank you. Hey. Uh, by Spike Bite Gaming? Mm, mm. Sure. Uh, my fave combo, Chopper and Laurie. Oh, burn. It's <laughs> a bit harsh, isn't it? Nah, it's fine. <laughs> correct answer. It is well, good. Well, it's a good partnership, though. It's, it's decent. It's all right. It's in, it's in, my, it's in my top three. It's the, it's the, the bring your son to work team. <laughs> <laughs> I made him in a test tube. <laughs> I know. Yeah. You're like Dr. Apes of Kravit in uh, that South Park song. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jobber JJ comes in again uh, to say, I was trying to say that will these pay-per-views mean something to AEW's TV product? I see, I did see that Double or Nothing and Fighter Fest are building plots. So I was wrong earlier. He's saying, will these shows matter when AEW's weekly TV rolls around? Such an interesting question. It's kind of what we were talking about earlier. It's mm-hmm. like, if this is, is this the product that we're going to be presenting on TV or yeah. is it going to be very different? Because the way that Tony Khan and everyone was talking about it prior to the TV deal and everything like that, it's, going to be, it's a very sports-centric product. Yeah. And thus far in these two shows, it hasn't felt exactly sports-centric. No. So... Yeah, it'd be very interesting. I think the wins and losses will certainly play into TV, mm-hmm. but whether or not the format and sort of style of presentation follows along with it, I think that remains to be seen. Yeah, because it'd be interesting to see when they start to bleed in more of the promo packages, like are they going to do uh, backstage stuff as well? Because we don't really get a lot of that in... You know, they, there was little bits of that in the sort of fake fire Festival documentary stuff, but mm-hmm. there wasn't... You know, there wasn't anything else in this show that was like just someone backstage, apart from the one bit of Brandy watching a match. Yeah. And they were like, oh, she's watching a TV the right way around. Yeah. And to your point, they didn't have like Kenny Omega sort of going backstage trying to like book Blink 182 and and things like that. They Mm. didn't actually have that in the main show. That was all just for the Mm buy-in pre-show stuff. So, yeah. So I think that the wins and losses will certainly play into TV as from now. But I'm not sure about the presentation. Yeah. Uh, Nate drops surname again. Says perfect match to introduce the time limit. 
Um, so the one that had so the time limit Darby rule. Oh, Darby right, okay, Cody. right, okay. It's the perfect match to introduce the time limit rule to fans that might not be familiar with. Yeah, him, cool. I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, TJ Ridgeway says John's smile at the end makes me say F Rollins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, he brought, oh, I'll be honest, Rollins did not come off well in that interview. Mm. He really didn't. No. Wasn't he, great. Yeah, he kind of missed the point of Moxley's interview to be honest. I'm not sure if he listened to it. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> he's just on a bit of he's just on he's just on one at the moment, isn't he? About back backing where he is. He's yeah. like, you know, I'm not wasting my time here. Oh, that would have that Triple H hacked his Twitter. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and his brain. And did the interview for him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh Nate drops surname again. Says, uh, watch. Seth is gonna stop just short of hitting Corbin in the head with a chair as an answer on Raw. Uh, yeah, we'll be it's surprised. actually not a bad idea. Yeah, it's not a bad idea at all, really. Yeah. And he suddenly has a moment of realization. He's like, "Oh, I can't do this. This is this is too much." Yeah, I'm a hero. It'd be interesting to see what WWE does. Like, if they are going to do an actual answer, like you know, because obviously everyone's going to view Raw after Fight to Fest as a as an answer anyway. But it'd be interesting to see if they actually reference it in any subtle ways at all. Yeah, uh, or whether they just crack on with the usual business of mm. putting Baron Corbin in the main event. Maybe we'll get the return of the electric chair. Oh, Remember that gimmick? I can't. Maybe the <laughs> whole third hour of Raw will be unsanctioned. <laughs> <laughs> They'll turn the lights off and on again. Well, you've got to hide how no one's there. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. There's the best way to do it. Turn exactly, the lights yeah. off. Mm-hmm. Empty arena matches. Uh, Rocky Balboa comes in and says, Hey, Luke, Laurie, and Pete. Hey, hey. man. Hey. Uh, and then last two, which came in after I said there was ten left, uh, Sean Turner uh, comes in and says Bischoff is on Smackdown Bailey Sting is getting closer to being real <laughs> Vince is getting desperate idea bring Steiner back and make it a moment with Steiner oh man can you imagine if Bailey Sting actually <laughs> imagine. that actually happens I got mm. a, a tweet today I think all of us got a tweet today but I think I was the one that saw it uh, someone had tweeted us uh, an idea of a Funko Pop uh, design of Bailey Sting Oh, yeah, which, I I was, that, yeah. which I was a big fan of. I like that a lot. We've had quite a few people send us like their creator mm-hmm. wrestler versions, like with the face paint and the mask. And uh, amazing, yeah, it's very good. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, and then last two, because another one just came in. Uh, Antonio Pierce says, uh, "My message was about the subtle message with Kenny. Uh, this is hard to read. Uh, with Kenny being Akuma and Mox smiling at the end of the attack. The subtle message that Mox is trying to bring out Omega's dark side for their match." I don't think the Akuma thing is going to play into anything post no. the fact that it were at CEO. Was it the Setsu no Hado? He's <laughs> <laughs> bringing it out of him. I yeah. think it was just there for a bit of fun. I think actually it was Mox's attack at the end of Double or Nothing made Kenny Omega answer and attack him here as opposed to the Akuma thing tying Yeah, but it. I think it's, it's a nice little, like the Akuma thing at least ties into it nicely of like someone who's embraced their sort of dark character. So actually, it it's, could be just a fun bit of mm. extra context. Yeah. But I definitely don't think it was the point. No. <laughs> no. I, I, I don't think it was the point, but you could also make the argument that it was something similar to, like, Gargano wearing his different attires at yeah. various points in the feud, because it displays his character a bit more. Could be something like that. Could be something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's definitely something like that. Um, and then last one, uh, FF18 Cloud comes in again and clarifies what I said earlier. The GFs I was talking about with the CEO thing is Grand Finals, because I'm not a... Apparently, I don't know games, even though I work for a <laughs> gaming YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, it's not the FGC. Yeah. You've got to know those. Uh, got to know those shorthands, mate, because the kids haven't got time to type out grand final. You've got to know, write down yeah. girlfriends. Yeah. Got to write down girlfriends. Yeah.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.